Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. This is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Our student body secretary, Megan Nanny, preaches the question, Who is the Lord? Since we're asking questions, I've got a question for you, the awesome audience. If we were hypothetically going to do a series of interviews hypothetically this summer, what topics would you want us to delve into? Go ahead. Give it some thought. Then drop us a line on social media at IBC Promo or shoot us an email podcast at gotoibc.com. We look forward to hearing what you, the awesome audience, would like to hear from us. While you're thinking of topics, give this message a listen. Who is the Lord? Preached by Megan Nanny. guys want to go ahead and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12. And while you're turning there, I want to go ahead and give honor where honor is due to Brother Mooney and his vision for IBC. And I really don't think it goes in vain every time that we do give honor to him because I'm so thankful for IBC and the galleons and the impact that they've left on my life. Elder brother and sister Rodenbush, younger brother and sister Rodenbush, and Becca mentioned it last time, but I'm so thankful for the trips that Brother Sleva has allowed us to go on and really given us a burden for this world. And if you're there, um, we'll go ahead and read. It says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And if you want to go ahead And one more time, just bow your head and pray with me over the remainder of this service. God, I thank you for the word that you have for us today. God, I pray that you would open our hearts, Lord. Anoint every word that comes out of my mouth, Lord. In the name of Jesus, that you would strengthen us, that you would challenge us and mold us, God, so that we can be more like you. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord. Amen. So, I don't think it's any stretch to say that all of us in this room know God. Amen. We know him as our healer. We know him. I know him personally as my healer, and I know several of you do. We know him as our peace when there should have been no peace, yet he stepped in on time and gave us that comfort. We know him as our savior. Amen. He has washed us clean, and he has redeemed us. And we know him as our refuge and our strength. I mean, I know that I have called on his name in a car a couple of times whenever I'm scared. We know him, that we can just call his name, and he is that for us. And we know it because his word says it, and in my life he has proved it. But a simple question that God laid on my heart, and I just could not get it off, and I could not get away from it, is do you know him as Lord? And in other words, Do you know him every day? Are you consecrated to him? Do you hear his voice? And is he leading you? Is he truly the Lord of your life? Or are you just satisfied with moments and glimpses of his power? Miracle to miracle, but never truly being led by him. Never allowing him to be the Lord of your life. So my title today is Who is Lord? And Abby, you can go ahead and throw the picture up there. So 
There is baby Megan in all of her glory. When I was five years old, I was asked to be a miniature bride, and it was the best day ever. We all have our dreams and aspirations, and they evolve over time. But at five, it was line leader, flower girl, and miniature bride. So my day was made, and I was so hype. And as miniature bride, they gave me this, a tiara. And when I put it on, it was just a bunch of wires and fake diamonds. But I'm telling you, I ruled the world. Everything that I had in my life was good. And you know, anything that I said, it was the supreme rule. You could not tell me no. That was pre-Holy Ghost Megan. I got the Holy Ghost when I was six. So at five, I knew everything. And I did rule everything. So it's kind of funny, right? And you can just picture that little girl just prancing around with the tiara. And when my mom would say, you know, come here, I always told her one second. And she always said, delayed obedience is the same as disobedience. So she got me real good with that one. That's free. But <laughs> I would prance around, and I just, I knew everything. And it sounds so silly because you can see this little five-year-old in your head right now and just picture her with the biggest attitude, and you've pretty much got me pegged. <laughs> and I knew it all. But I fear that that's what we do sometimes in our spiritual walks. You know, we, we have laid down everything to God, and we say, you know, you know what is best. I give it to you. Be the Lord of my life. And you get filled with the Holy Ghost, and your life is completely different, and it's completely changed. But over time, we go and we pick it back up, don't we? And we put it on our head. I had a big head as a kid, so it still fits. <laughs> we put it back on our head, and we say, you know, I rule everything. I am the ruler. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Paul says, take heed lest ye fall. And he's talking to the church at Corinth, and he's giving them the example of the children of Israel. And they knew God, right? The things that I listed at the beginning, they knew him as all of those things. He was their deliverer, and he got them out of Egypt. He totally and miraculously got them and was leading them. Yet they turned away from him, didn't they? They turned to idolatry and sin. And by doing that, they said, you know what? I know best. And I'm going to take what's your position, what's only God's position, and I'm going to put something else there. It's basically telling God, you know, you're not good enough. So we do that in our lives today sometimes. We think that we're strong and that we're safe, and they did too. And when you think you're the safest, that's really where you're at the most danger. Because you start to get comfortable where you're at. And you start to let things slip. And if you're really not careful, you start to think, I got here myself. I did this. You know, I put myself here. And when you get to that mindset is when you start to take the next steps by yourself. He says, take heed lest ye fall. And I feel like that's been put on my heart today. Is take heed lest ye fall. Don't put yourself in the position that God only designed for him. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Somebody say, all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. Your understanding is not good enough, but God's is. And in all thy ways, meaning in all manners of life, in all matters of life, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And be not wise in thine own eyes. That one will get you, won't it? 
Be not wise in thine own eyes. It's gotten me too. And fear the Lord and depart from evil. When we don't do this and we do take up our crown, we miss his voice. We go from moment to moment, but at the end of the day, we decide to take charge and we decide that we're going to be our own mini God. And we don't do it on purpose sometimes. Sometimes it's just in the small things, but those are as big as the big things because small things add up. And before you know it, you're off track. But Luke 9.23, Jesus is speaking, and he says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me, not taking up your crown, not taking up your kingdom and your lordship, but acknowledging him so much that you would lay your own life down. And I know that every one of us want to do that. We've came to IBC, but it's not where it stops. IBC is just the beginning of it. And we can't allow ourselves in this time to start just saying, you know, I'll let you be Lord after IBC, but right now I want to do this. Or, you know, I'm so tired because tired, it's real. (laughs) We get tired, but we can't allow our flesh to come in and say, you know what, you're tired, so it's okay. You've done all this for God this week. Just come and do this. Because this is just the beginning of your ministry. And if you let it go here, you're not going to pick it up when you leave here. It says, no man can serve two masters, Matthew 6, 24, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. I don't know about you, but I want to love God with my whole heart. And I want him to be my Lord, and I want to serve him with all my heart. I don't want to serve myself. It seems good in the beginning, right? Because it feels good, but at the end, it's destruction because you can't have two masters, and in the end, you are not going to end up where you thought you were. You're going to end up in hell alone because you thought that you could serve yourself and that you could be the Lord, but I'm telling you, take heed lest ye fall. Oh, in the name of Jesus, it says that God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Don't allow pride to creep into your life thinking that you know best. Because I promise you, I have been there, and I have I've thought, you know, I'm really good where I'm at right now. And you know, every single one of you are amazing, and I love that you are all here because we are going to do an amazing work for the kingdom of God, but it is not alone, and we cannot ever start to think that we got here on our own. It says, God resisteth the proud. He cannot have you and take you in when you are proud because you want to do it on your own, and he's not going to force you to do his work. It's free will. That's not how it works. He's not going to say, hey, you know, Megan, I I know you want to do this alone, but can I help? He's already done that. He's already paid the price for you. It's your choice. Who are you going to serve? What are you going to do? It says, but God giveth grace to the humble. A humble spirit, he's going to welcome it with open arms. He wants to use you today, but you have to give it all to him. Sunday to Sunday, chapel to chapel. We go to church more than I've ever gone to church in my life here, but we can't allow that to replace our relationship with God or even take reign in our life. We can't idolize church services. We can't allow any false gods to creep into our lives. We can't allow the disciplines 
that we are in. Discipline is good. Church is good. I'm all for that. But we cannot allow it to replace the place that God has reserved for himself in our lives. Because then we'll feel empty, we'll feel frustrated, and we'll fall into even more sin. We'll just go chapel to chapel, feeling his presence, because his presence is real, and it is here. But we can't just surrender it for a moment, and then take our lives back, and put our crowns back on, and go to class, and trudge on through the day, ruling it. Lay it back down next Thursday. Lay it back down Sunday. Lay it back down Tuesday but never truly having a real relationship, never truly tasting the goodness of what it means to have him as Lord of your life. In 1 Samuel 13, King Saul, we all know him, right? He was anointed of God. And I truly believe God was going to do an amazing work through him. And he had ever every opportunity to allow God to do that. But he couldn't surrender some things. He thought he knew best, didn't he? We read of that in 1 Samuel 13, 7 through 14. I'm just going to go through it real quick. And it says, As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. So the man of God told him, I need you to go here and wait for me, and I will come, and I will offer sacrifices. And that was the will of God for Saul. And he didn't come when Saul thought he needed to come, though. And it says that Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me, and peace offerings. And he offered burnt offering. And all of his people were scared, and I can almost sympathize with Saul because he had to be a good leader, right? He had to take care of his people. They were scared. What's going to happen to us? But it wasn't his position to exert authority because God told him what to do. He had to trust in God. And there are moments where God tells us to do something, but it didn't happen in the time that we thought. Wait on God. He's got it. He's not going to leave you. Saul, he anointed you for this moment. Why would he leave you? God, God's not a man that he should lie. He's going to take care of you. But Saul went ahead and listened to himself, and he did what he thought was good in his own eyes. And then 13 through 14, it says, And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. And this part gets me. It says, For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But he did foolishly. He decided to not listen to the voice of God. I truly believe that if Saul would have surrendered his heart he would be the example that we look to in the Bible all the time and be like, look at the victories that God worked through Saul. But he couldn't surrender some things. He kept them to himself. And he isolated himself because he thought that he could do it on his own. He never wanted to give the glory to anyone else. He had to have it. And because of this, God went ahead and rent the kingdom from him and gave it to David because David wanted to do whatever God wanted. He inquired of the Lord, and he had a heart after the Lord. 
And we also see a good example in Samson in Judges 16. Samson was called by God even before he was conceived. God sent an angel to his parents and told them that he's going to be a mighty man of God and he's going to deliver the Israelites. But Samson never surrendered his will either. He had to keep some things. And he had a Nazarite vow, but he kept breaking it. You know, he had this little thing that attracted him over here, attracted him over there. And God still did mighty works through him because God's will was greater than Samson. He wanted to accomplish things, and he would accomplish things through him. But Samson never had the relationship that he could with God. And he never truly pleased God because all that he ever did was just what God worked through him. And then he went and he broke his vows. And when God finally departed from him, it says when the Lord departed from him, he didn't even know. He had been so used to breaking covenant with God, breaking that vow, that it was just normal. You know, I break it all the time. I'm always going to have God. And God will never leave or forsake you. But you, he never listened to his voice. If he would have listened to the voice of God, he would have known when he would have departed from him. But he wasn't close enough to even know. He was always working miracle to miracle, time with time again. He'd see the power of God, and then he'd walk, and he'd do what pleased his flesh. You know, and sometimes I've seen it before. We go, and we're in the presence of God, you know, and we see, we see what God can do, and we see his power, but it's not really convenient for me to live up to holiness standards right now, and is it essential? Because I still feel the power of God, and I still feel it. Well, yeah, God is all-powerful, and he's always going to move, and he's always going to have a people, and you will always feel him for now, but if you keep rejecting him, you can't. Don't turn away from him. Don't put yourself in his position. So this is not a message against free will. It's exactly the opposite. But I do feel like we need to check our hearts because if we get in that position that we're okay and that we're fine and I've done it before and everything's okay, what, what is in the place of God? What could our relationships with God be if we truly surrendered to him? If every single part of our life was totally surrendered to him, I want to see that in my own life, and I want to see that in every one of your lives. And there are times of temptation in times where convenience is convenience. And what the Word of God says and what He says to do, it might not feel convenient, but oh, it is so much better than what we could do on our own. It is so much better. And He has called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. In this world, we have what they're looking for. They want what we have. And we tell them, we, you know, we have everything that you need. But do our actions truly display that? Do we hold on to the broken attitudes and the brokenness of this world? And are we showing them that we're jealous of them? Holding up gang signs and attitudes saying, you know, I want to look like you. That's not what we were called to do. We were called to show them. Let him be the Lord of your life. Filter every decision through him because it's not drudgery. It's a thing of beauty, a thing that he has called you to, and he wants 
to be that for you. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. Lay it down to him today. You know, we, we want to do it on our own. And there are two main reasons that I see that we hold on. We hold on so tightly to the position that he has reserved for him. Because we want to do it on our own, and we don't want to be seen as weak or unable. Neither did Saul. And this is pride, and it's idolatry. And it's placing ourselves in the place that only God fills. Only he is capable of filling it. So when we try and fill it, it ends up broken. It ends up only pieces of what it could be. But he created you for relationship with him, not isolation. When we do that and we try and do everything on our own and carry it as a badge of honor, it isolates us completely and we're alone and we're broken. But when he is your strength, when he is your guide, there is not one thing that's impossible, amen? There is not one thing that cannot be done through him. And he wants to use you today. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be down in the dumps, but I'm saying we need to check where we're at because he wants to do every promise, every promise through you, greater things, but he can't do it if you're not listening to him. He has all wisdom. He will not fail. Where we fall short, he's in there filling the gaps. And the second reason is that we see our failures and our weaknesses, don't we? We know everything that we should have been and that we could have been, but we failed and we fall short. And so we hide it. And we try and we try to fix it all. And we try to come to him, showing him, look, I fixed it. I did it. Yay. (laughs) But he wants to fix it. You can't fix it good enough. It's like a little kid that breaks something. I've been there. (laughs) And they put tape on it and show it to mom and be like, it's not broken. But it's not beautiful anymore. If you break a fine piece of china and you put tape on it and try and glue it with that good Elmer's glue and try and make everything pretty again, it's only just an example of what could have been there. And that's what we do with our own lives. It's broken, and we know that he saved us and that he called us, amen? And then we go, and sometimes we break it. And we say, oh, no, what have I done? I've got to fix this. I've got to do this. And we sit there, and the whole time he is there trying to help you and wants to fix it. But he can't unless you give it to him. So we hold on to it, and we hold on into our shame, and we just carry it around, and we try and rule it, Because we've got to do it on our own now. But that's not what he called you to do. That's not what he wants you to do. And that is also pride. And that is also idolatry. Because we're putting ourselves in the place reserved for him. And whatever the reason that you're holding on to it today, he wants to take it. And you have an opportunity at the end of this service to come and to leave things at the altar that you never have to pick up again and that you can surrender because every single day he is there waiting for you. Are you going to wake up and are you going to surrender it to him? Or are you going to say, you know, it's going to be a lot harder and a lot not fun. It's no fun at all to rule your own life, but I got to do this today, God. So hold on and maybe tomorrow. And you get up and you walk, but Are you just going to be there every day in the morning and you get up and he's waiting for you and say, you know what, God, I want you to be Lord of this day. I want you to have this day because I can't do with it what you can. 
And it might be temporal and it might seem good for now, but what he has is everlasting. Amen. It is never going to stop. Oh, in Jesus' name, and whatever the reason, you can come to this altar today and you can just have him as the Lord of your life. And maybe you do surrender every day because I know there are many of you that do. But, you know, some days this world can feel pretty heavy. And some days it can be like, where are you at, God? With everything that we see going on in politics right now, and sometimes when we learn in classes, I just feel like, Lord, how am I going to reach my world? But he is good, and he is faithful. And I'm about to close if the music would like to come. But I just want to go ahead and read through some verses quickly and just remind you of who your God is and how great he is and how able he is to keep you and that he is a good Lord. Psalm 37, 23 through 24 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his way in every manner of life. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. He will uphold you. Psalm 139, 1 through 5 says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Isn't that amazing? Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and thou art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me by the still waters, and he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. He will never leave you. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, and thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know who wrote that? David, he was the one that was placed in Saul's position. The one after Saul's kingdom was rent from him. God gave it to David because he was a man after God's own heart. He knew that, God, you are able to lead me. You will keep me. I can't do it on my own. I go through some scary things sometimes, and I'm facing things that I don't know what to do with. But, God, I know that I can't do it on my own. I need you. Be in the place that you've designed for only you, the place that only you can take me, Lord. I need that. I can't do it on my own. And today, if you feel like you can't do it on your own either, I invite you to these altars because he's never going to leave you or forsake you. He anointeth my head. My cup runneth over. He is more than we need. He is all that we need. We cannot do it alone. Don't go one more step alone. Oh, in the name of Jesus. God, I just pray over us right now that you would have your way, Lord, that your perfect will would be done, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, God. Jesus.